1: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the History of Germany podcast. I'm Travis Dow, and today I have a special guest because last episode I mentioned really briefly how awesome I think uh, the History of Vikings is—that podcast by by Noah and. Uh, I was kind of I gave it a fat plug and was just like we're gonna move on and we didn't really talk about that in the Frankish times like Charlemagne time because I was just trying to move on and then instantly on Twitter someone's like no please don't skip the Vikings even though that's like we're like 400 years 300 years past that now (laughs) but so I thought why not it would actually be a lot of fun and it's definitely a topic that I just totally love and enjoy and um, so I got Noah Tetzner on the show. Welcome to history of Germany Noah
2: thank you so much travis and uh yeah i'm a I'm a humongous fan of the show, so I'm just so excited to talk to you today yeah, hey,
1: likewise i yeah, I think uh yeah, we do have some we've covered our areas in parallel ways sometimes, like um maybe i'll maybe I'll even tell the listeners if you've never listened to the history of uh, Vikings. It's 21 episodes in. You can find it on Vikings dot com, and you can find it on iTunes as the History of Vikings. Uh, it says by Recorded History Podcast Network. That's the one. But I like your logo. You, yeah, you can. <laughs> you'll see the <laughs> nice, nice uh, History of Vikings logo. So what I appreciate about it is it's uh, what I tried to do in this show, which in certain time eras I found was really, really hard. Like instead of just like finding, you know, glancing articles online or or browsing a Wikipedia article it's like you have to read books to do it properly. And <laughs> but I really appreciate that you've kind of tackled uh, not just Norse mythology in one episode, but you've tackled it over and over different aspects of it, um, like the blending of Christianity in, in later times or when they come across, you know, and are plundering monasteries and such. Um, and then only, you know, uh, so, like, there's, there's, yeah, I think you have a whole episode on Valhalla and um, uh, Old Norse, which I, you know, I even started with, like, you did exactly the same thing that I did, kind of, which is uh, maybe, wait, that's your newest episode. Yeah, your newest episode is where I started, actually, which I was <laughs> like, what is Proto-Germanic? You know, what does that even mean? And I started I started right where you did, which was in Scandinavia. Um, and I was just a question... Uh, just a topic that I thought was so fascinating like what you know where does where's the beginning of the culture and to me like language is such a part of the culture like if you don't speak a language it's really hard to like you can't get all the puns okay there's one example like you're not going to get all jokes for instance Um, but so so that was kind of like where I really focused and then I was like all right and here's where uh, you know uh, old Germanic, what is like middle Germanic split with old Norse and they moved, you know, down across the Baltic and North seas into Germany. And so old Norse is a different story, you know, and I just kind of like ended it there. Um, but yeah, there was a whole nother peoples, you know? So, um, that's what we'll kind of talk about today. I don't know. Is there, you know, what were you thinking behind, like, how were you going to tackle the history of a culture?
2: Uh, Well, when I first started uh, the history of Vikings, um, obviously, the mythology is what got me into it, the rich Norse Mm -hmm. mythology. Um, But upon studying the Vikings, you know, I was, of course, um, easily enamored with the uh, brutal Viking raids and the... Yeah, um,
1: like, how were they so successful, you know?
2: Exactly, exactly. And I was doing that, and I was kind of going that whole route, sort of covering the uh the raids, the warfare, um the naval warfare, that whole sort of thing. But as I uh continued to read and research about the Vikings, um I actually got the opportunity to bring him on my show. There's this awesome book called I believe it's The Age of the Vikings by a fellow named Anders Winroth. He's a um professor of medieval history at Yale University and it kind of goes through the the whole everyday life of the Vikings. That's cool. And that's, yeah. yeah, it's so cool. And that's something that I really Um, I mean, to some, it might sound kind of boring, but I mean, um, the Vikings were largely an agricultural people, uh, just like many of the people of medieval Europe. And it's interesting to note that, I guess, when talking about the people, uh, the Norse people of medieval Scandinavia who we might call vikings today uh, perhaps vikings isn't the the most accurate term to refer to the mass um perhaps the word norsemen or norse norse woman might be more accurate because uh the word vikings uh viking comes from the old norse uh root word vik uh, and of course, once you, um, put all of those roots together, it ends up meaning something like, um, a pirate who lurks in a, in a fjord or a cove. So Viking is really more of a, a job description. It's really more of an activity like, uh, one goes a Viking, one goes a raiding and a mm-hmm. pirate. So it's really interesting to note that although many, uh, Norse people would have been able to, um, entertain aspects of, of both an agricultural lifestyle and a raiding lifestyle that, uh, not all of them were considered Vikings. So that's something that really fascinated me as I really like dove into the research and just, um, the, the towns and the burial mounds. And on my show, I talked to a, um, British coin specialist and he told us of sort of the coinage of the Vikings and, and the money and how they would found, uh, cities actually, mm-hmm. uh, Oh, yeah. They put up, you know, the... Um they built up what is modern-day York in uh, northern England, Yorvik at the time, and that's something that's super fascinating. You know, just sort of the everyday life of the Vikings. I know you—you
1: you, you might actually get in trouble because where does that history actually stop? You have like the the Normans. Uh, you have I'm mean, like like Normandy, and from there, like, are you going to cover the whole like Battle of Hastings and England? I mean, but there's like Danelaw. There's uh, you know Dublin. Uh, in fact, and like I'm thinking of all these podcasts where um. Russian Rulers podcast, his first 10 episodes were all about Vikings, uh, Norsemen. And um, History of Ireland podcast, the same thing. He had to cover like so much detail about, you know, these first raids and how that changed the culture and, um, you know, really, uh, yeah, including, you know, Ireland's capital today. Um, yeah, at some point, you're like, what, are you going to cover <laughs> Southern Italy and, you know, all these <laughs> different... Because, I mean, I'm, I'm joking, but just to just to paint a picture of, like, these guys really changed, uh, you know, what we consider... Like, modern-day Russia was kind of the the first dynasties were Vikings, and they're the ones that broke away from, well, Golden Horde, Mongol, you know, uh, sort of dynasties. And it's just like, there's so much there to unpack. I don't even... Like, you kind of have to... Um, focus, maybe go, you know, like when you really exhaust mythology, you know, maybe go into like, okay, here's this one look at, uh, you know, ah, oh, geez, like even just the um, uh, the language, like English language, just you could do a, oh, yeah, so history of English, history of English talks about the Dane law and like, Nor- and like York and like how, you know, like yeah. shirt and skirt are really the same word, just like one's Anglo-Saxon and one's Norman or, you know, something like that. Right. Um yeah, man, it's a, it's a, yeah, crazy cool kind of thing to, so, I, you know, I was wondering, like, is it kind of a, like, maybe this is oversimplifying or just a way to think about it, but the first couple of waves would be Vikings, these are like seriously pirates and plunderers and that and that kind of thing, um, but then they did get and But then they did settle. So either it's the same people that changed their job title in a way or just like later waves were really like um, just Norsemen, just agriculture, you know, farmers and just kind of settling down and and uh, colonizing Europe in a way from Scandinavia.
2: Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that um, a lot of people are super uh, pedantic about the word Viking in that they obsess over it, which, of course, I gave a nice little uh, introduction just uh, to um get people thinking in sort of a different way that, you know, not all Norse people at the time were, um, you know, people would
1: probably call us out on Twitter if we didn't say that at some point, you know, like, oh, you know, Vikings is just a subset or Vikings is just a job title. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm agreeing with you, people do get kind of pedantic there. Um, But also, you know, growing up, I mean, for hundreds of years, like we just kind of, Um, in fact, that's kind of BS because if you go to Copenhagen or Stockholm, uh, they're going to have their Viking museum and they know exactly. They're like, yep, this is not, you know, even if they fully know, of course, the museum curators all know the history of the word. Um, but they're still like, well, this is what sells tickets. And we know that, you know, this, when people think Viking, they think, um, you know, medieval and, and early medieval, like Norsemen, like anybody in Scandinavia. And that's just like, okay, you know. So. Yeah, <clears throat> it's a good marketing term. Like, why would you, you know, why would you <laughs> exactly. throw it away if you're Danish or 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 uh, you know right. Norwegian or something? So, um, but yeah, no, I, I do feel like yeah, people would be like, hey, that's just a job title. I know.
0: Um,
1: yeah. A- what? Um, yeah. So i I do want to ask you about mythology. I think before maybe just ca- it's kind of interesting. Um, have you looked at like who are even the primary sources or who are even the sources of going back then because if i recall norman's like there's runes and stuff but runes really just had like magical meaning or it might be a name on a gravestone rather than like a way to write down whole stories at first right is that is that correct
2: yeah. So, um, in terms of, of runes, so uh, we f- writing
1: in general, like when did they even? Yeah, when did they write about themselves?
2: Yeah, that's a good question, and uh, that actually brings up an interesting point, and that's of course it's interesting when studying the Vikings because. Um, ironically, most of the sources that we have that talk about them were actually written by their, their victims, right? The monks Mm -hmm. and and just like the source that I'm sure we'll get into today, the annals of, of Fulda that was written by, um, either some monks or the, um, what would have been the German royalty at the time, uh, who fought with the Vikings. But in terms of, of Viking writing and runes, you know, all over, um, all over Scandinavia, we find these these massive uh, rocks, these massive boulders, and they have all sorts of um, chiseled inscriptions yeah. on. Them. Some of them are actually um, like runic writing that uh, would w- what would have been the sort of Viking alphabet. And there's it's interesting to note that there's different kinds of runes. There's different styles. Uh, you have the short twig. Uh, rune, which um is of course what is on my new uh logo on my Twitter page. Uh but also there's there's many different kinds of runes. I think one is called like Full Thark and, and something like that. Um, but then there's also rune stones that have um pictures, like picture stones that sort of um uh, depict various scenes from mythology like there's one i want to say it was found in gotland and that actually shows odin um the chief god in norse mythology uh riding his eight-legged horse uh sleipnir so yeah that's sort of the you know,
1: like a hieroglyph and you'd
2: see that one
1: kind of image more than once or was it just like a one-off i mean that's that's crazy interesting actually <laughs>
2: Yeah. So so the Vikings probably um wrote their runes more than we would like to give them credit. That would be my uh instinct seeing as yeah. um if they wrote it
1: on wood and stuff right. it's just gone. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And of course we only have the the stone that survives. Yep. And um yeah, so that's sort of um the whole Viking runes and um their they didn't their- even
1: realize there was more than one kind of alphabet or yeah. yeah. Huh. Now that you mention it, like I definitely, rec- yeah, I know the full thark. What's it called? The one that's kind of the standard that probably everybody has in their mind. If yeah, you I just think look up, you know, full thark now. um. But yeah, the short twig. Yeah, okay. That's, that's like I'm just I'm just like looking at it. <laughs> like I'm like, yeah, you got my curiosity peaked already. <laughs> um, yeah, because I, I did. I even mention runes. Like it's uh, that's just something that's crazy interesting that they did kind of have their own alphabet and. Yeah, um, and- if I may add it and same it was like it wasn't it I mean isn't the theory that it was through trade like they saw some other alphabet like you know Phoenician or Greek or whatever and then cuz it's not like totally alien looking either it's kind of you know
2: yeah, and it's actually interesting you should say that because um, the Vikings were very much traders and explorers. So they really did uh, have a lot of influence and come in contact with various other cultures. And it's um, interesting to note that in the um, what is now a mosque, at the time it was a Christian temple in uh, – Formerly Constantinople today, Istanbul. Um, there is, on the ledge, yes. I think it's the Hagia Sophia, yeah.
1: Yes, I know this story. I, yeah. I mean, I've seen it in a documentary, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah on the um, ledge of the church, on the balcony, mm-hmm. um Actually chiseled into the marble balcony, there's Viking runes written. So it's really interesting to think that. And the Vikings actually did uh, travel to Constantinople. They had a a um, a word for it, which would have been um, oh gosh, the name escapes me, but something guard because of course that was their name for right, city. But yeah, anyways, yeah. Uh, since it was the biggest city in the medieval world, it would have been um the name would have meant a uh, great city. Mhm. Yeah. Uh, Micklegard. Yes, Micklegard. Uh oh, that's crazy. it. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting to note that that very well could have been a viking uh sitting during a, a boring church service uh writing possibly what it actually we think it may have been his name in viking runes on the balcony whilst watching the yeah. church service. So that's super interesting.
1: A little bit of cheeky uh graffiti there. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that's uh, yeah. I mean um, there god, there's that a fictional book. I loved the movie was called the 13th warrior or something about yeah. this Arabic. Um, well, yeah, like this Muslim warrior, Muslim nobleman or something that goes to, you know, he goes to the Vikings and it's kind of like this weird story. Cause they kind of fight like Neanderthals or some like really primitive, uh, you know, scary monster beast. Um, yeah. or like people that wear uh, bear hides or so- live in caves, whatever it was. Um, but I'm like, that's complete fiction. And but on the other hand, it's like totally not that un unpl- I don't know about the Neanderthal part or, you know, maybe, you know, <laughs> fighting some more primitive people. There were, you know, like if, if you're if maybe they were thinking of like, oh, this is one of the one of the campaigns against the Suomi, is Suomi in the north. Is that what that, you know, there's like Native Americans, you know, there's native yeah. tribes in like northern, northern uh, Norway and Sweden, too.
2: Yeah, that's so it. maybe it
1: is, you know, they're fighting some Inuit type of people. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they, like, they've definitely found, uh, coins, you know, in, in Scandinavia and, um, there was, uh, they thought they saw the word Allah or something. And then it was like, no, that was just a, you know, just kind of looks like blah, blah, blah. So they're like, was there a Muslim Viking already, you know? Right. Um, but they did travel so extensively that even like the more I learned about, nonfiction real life i read that book when i was a kid the more i kind of like went back thought about that you know rewatched the movie or whatever Is that like antonio banderas Is that? Fuck, I, don't <laughs> re- I don't remember what the movie was called but it, but yes yeah, uh, um just this great story about this muslim living among the norse and uh yeah, oh was man. It? yeah it's yeah. not actually that unplausible probably it would have been more plausible the other way around that there's a no, Viking actually, living somewhere in. in
2: so, yeah. are you referring to the movie "The Thirteenth Warrior"? Is did you 13th say "The
1: Thirteenth Warrior" is the movie? Maybe, yeah. So the book is called something else. I forget. That actually, the book um, is just like ten times better than the movie. That's why. I'm like,
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know anything about the book, but I know the movie "The Thirteenth Warrior." I believe the main character. I'm gonna look it up
1: real quick, but yeah.
2: Is it? I believe the name character main character's name is Iban Fadlan. Uh, he was actually a real person. Uh, that is actually a a real thing. And there's I an. I thought op- it was
1: a stretch of a. Oh, Eaters of the Dead by Michael Crichton. Oh yeah, it's Michael Crichton. That uh, the book is amazing. You know, like Jurassic Park and all that. Like I yeah, when I was a kid, I was a huge Michael Crichton fan, and then came yeah. across Eaters of the Dead. Maybe the book is more closer to the actual story than the movie. I don't. I mean, I do re- remember reading some criticism of like this is. You know, uh, I don't because yeah, I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember which is which. I can tell yeah. you the books better, but yeah, you're right. I'm um, Ahmed Ibn Fadlan. Yeah, and he's yeah from the caliph uh, poet to the caliph of Baghdad. Yeah, so he's a real guy. Yeah, absolutely. The Volga yeah. Vikings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right.
2: Yeah. There's an awesome documentary for those of you out there who uh, love documentaries like I do. Um, I think it's just called uh, Vikings uh, by Neil Oliver. And he actually does a whole episode where he uh, travels to Istanbul and they talk about Ibn Fadlan. And they go through actually some of his personal writings. And then you also get to see him uh, talking about the uh, runic inscriptions on the the, um, Uh, uh, Mm -hmm. the, the temple.
1: Yeah. No, that's yeah. Anybody out there that's kind of like this is piquing an in interest. Like I I love that story. And eaters of the dead was a great book. Uh, probably people do know the movie. Antonio Banderas, I don't know. It was kind of, I don't know. <laughs> it was kind of weird. Um and definitely a fictionalization of of everything. But um uh well, what did you think about are are you watching Vikings the what was it like History Channel who makes Vikings I think it's History Channel
2: Yeah History Channel that's yeah. right
1: Are you do you enjoy that just for the
2: Honestly like I haven't you may be surprised to know that i actually haven't watched that many episodes i've in i don't follow this series um i thought about trying to get into it but then again i didn't watch thor ragnarok because i didn't want it to warp my my um portrayal of the norse gods i kind of
1: i think you should do an episode on you know comparing the nonsense of you know whatever total fictional marvel uh norse mythology to the real thing just to I mean, people would tune in. It'd be gimmicky yeah. if nothing else, but oh, that, that uh, like would, I, would, yeah. I, you know, I'd be like, "Hey, if you really do a nice, well-done analysis of, you know, like okay, real, like real Thor, you know, be like blah blah blah." Uh, yeah. that'd be kind of interesting, but
2: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I,
1: Viking, yeah, I don't know. What do you enjoy in general? Like, I, I have a hard time getting into them sometimes, but I do. I like the idea of like the Tudors and Rome and all those kind of. Super mm-hmm. silly, <laughs> like not really nonfiction, or the crown the crown might be a good one. Um, do you enjoy those in general?
2: Ah, uh, yeah. Or I does don't it bother
1: mind. you that it's not accurate sometimes.
2: No, no, I'm not okay. one of these people that, like, gets super upset and can't watch something. Sometimes I
1: can't. Well, like. Vikings was hard. I don't know. Uh, the You know, the thing is, if you like drama shows, where it's like, oh, she's cheating on him with this other guy, and that's kind of what the Vikings is. And and I kind of lost interest after so many seasons. Um, even though it was like, man, it, and you know, if you just want an action movie, it's a very brutal kind of show, and people might just tune in just for the for the gore. Um but yeah, yeah, I was like, and then, I, you know, as soon as I looked into it, I'm like, who is, um, oh, I forget his name. But every, but um,
2: Ragnar Lothbrok?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I was like, no one knows much about him. It's his sons, like Roland and all these people, you know, m- his yeah. many sons that then became conquerors. And they're all like son of Ragnar, of Ragnar or something. Mm, and, yeah. the, and then I was like, and then I kind of realized, oh, so they're just making up everything wholesale. And then... Yeah. And then you go to yeah, like you know, it's just totally they, we know nothing. And then you you go to like um, I hang out at uh, there's a subreddit Ask Historians, and then people are like, how accurate is this? Or and they're just they just tear it apart. They're like, no, this is yeah. Hollywood. So well, on the other hand, like there's there's a place for that too. I, I just kind of you know I feel like if people watch Vikings um, and then they're they're curious for what really happened, those are going to be listeners of your show. So you know.
2: Right. Like
1: even, no, if, it's the ch- even if the history, even if that kind of stuff should not be running on the History Channel. We already know the History Channel went to hell years ago, so it's all good. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. Like we have no expectations anymore, so it's all
2: good. <laughs> Which is sad because back when I was like just oh, a man. little kid, Same. they. It had like like greatest tank battles. Yeah, um, I
1: still watch. Just last week, I discovered that there's a bunch of in search of history and history's yeah. mysteries like from the 90s on YouTube. And you you know you just search in man. like history you know History Channel documentaries. You'll get the good ones that hasn't existed for like 20 years. And I right. was like, oh man, this was good quality. Like, how did they go from this to Ancient Aliens? What's wrong with you people? <laughs> or oh, or worse you know ancient aliens isn't even the worst anymore they're like reality tv now but anyway, anyways sorry it's like oh but yeah uh yeah a moment of a moment of uh, quiet for the history channel for the death of the history channel but yeah they used <laughs> to have good um but yeah anyways yeah i was kind of curious if you watched that um mm. and then maybe <laughs> if you complain about how, the inaccuracies but um yeah, well you do talk about mythology a lot that's Uh, true what what interests you and have you compared it to like the myth like have you compared it to germanic like saxon or frankish mythology which is like super basically the same thing i'll get Mm -hmm. in trouble for saying that but basically it's the same thing
2: yeah yeah um I haven't looked – I'm just now starting to discover sort of the other mythologies, like um, some of my good friends over at – I think it's called – yeah, the Northern Myths Podcast. They actually did um, Mm -hmm. a whole uh, series on the Kalevala, which is the national um, mythology of Finland – and, um, I've been looking into Celtic mythology lately as well, which is super interesting, but I haven't really gotten to any sort of the like Frankish, uh, some of those minor mythologies, but I would, I would definitely agree with you in that it's kind of yeah. the same.
1: It's like, the, yeah, like, oh geez, I'm going to get in trouble here, but it's basically like, um, oh, which, uh, Tyr is Thor. Oh yeah. Cause it even kind of sounds similar. Vodan is Odin. And, yeah. They have. They might have. So I got in trouble when I oversimplified because I did it on my Saxon episode. They were like, "How dare you compare?" Because I think like it's Odin that has one eye, kind of like in the Marvel movies. I don't know well, if that's, that's you know. True. I think that's yeah. right. But in in Germanic, if I'm not mistaken, it's Tear. It's Thor. Like, well, if you watch Ragnarok, that's now <laughs> Thor has yeah. one eye. Um yeah. And I was like, huh? Like, actually, when I was watching the movie, I was like, wait, are they? no, they're just being stupid Hollywood. But, I th- but they were onto something, because I think in the... And maybe I'm saying the wrong thing now, but I instantly had a person jump on Twitter and be like, how could you compare Thor to Tyr? Obviously, you know, what? Just because they both are the War of God and the War of Thunder, yeah. and they carry a big sword, you know? But there's, like, the same story of, like, this mythical sword, kind of like an Excalibur type of story, uh, but right. different. And, um... Something, but yeah, there was something where it's like, no, no, no. Tyr is he has some things in common with Odin and blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay, okay, guys. You know, for the listeners out there, if you want them to learn or you know be able to categorize things in your in their head, just say this is an oversimplification. But Thor equals Tyr, Vodan is Odin, and and on down the line, Um because yeah. they did, yeah, like uh, what Germanic. Speaking, They all kind of came from, like, the island of Gotland and southern Sweden, and just, like, you know, Goths came 400 years later, or, I mean, it's just, like, different waves of the same peoples, so sue me, you know, for oversimplifying, but... Um, I I do love that stuff. Like I I have some books of just that, just stories of that. Yeah, yeah, no,
2: it's it's fascinating. I that's one of the things, like I said, that got me into the Vikings in general was um, Norse myth. So I actually, yeah, it's just so fascinating. Are, are you the, paying attention to a
1: bit of the revival now in places like Iceland yeah. and? It's yeah, a, like it's a bit yeah. of a nationalist thing, and it's often a bit of a bit of a racist thing, to be honest. But yeah. the fact that there's interest in it is is. Uh, uh yeah fascinating i'm kind of like you know i'm kind of you know with one eye i'm looking at what iceland is like they're bringing their old religions back in some form of like neo-pagan you know neo Norse sort of thing yeah um
2: yeah it's interesting and i think like of course unfortunately there's um like super extremists you know who are like taking an interest into it and sort of warping it to fit their agenda but i un- think unfortunately
1: there's... you do instantly come across that when you look into this which is right. sad yeah
2: It is sad, yeah, because I think that there's – a lot of people are genuinely interested. I do think that yeah. there is a resurgence in the interest of these myths and of course like that's one of the first things that you come across which is what like shies a lot of people away unfortunately, you know, from actually getting into the original sources that's, of these.
1: Yeah, this is kind of getting esoteric here or a bit meta, but I think that's one reason why the German version of this show is as successful as it is is because mm-hmm. I can like just be like, we like this is the coolest thing I ever heard about and blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, OK, now let me acknowledge the other person that thought this was damn cool was Himmler you know and he made he built the shrine here on this battlefield and blah 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 but like i ain't no nazi and y'all know this so you know and and the, and the yeah. fact that i can like say this is cool this is genuinely super fascinating and by the way i'm not you know i'm not a bigot or into you know, like i'm not a neo-pagan you know or yeah. you know um right. and then they kind of look at that and be like damn it is cool you know it's an, it's a cry in shame there's a big nazi shrine there but yeah it is worth a pilgrimage to you know look at the museum and this and that so uh yeah yeah it's kind of like i think as an outsider maybe um we can just like acknowledge like dude i would go to sweden to look at this stuff so it's okay to be a little bit proud of it just uh you know don't think you're better than other cultures or whatever but yeah
2: yeah Um, absolutely absolutely
1: yeah, you do see that, like I, I, Iceland. I was reading some horrible articles. On the it's just like kind of sad because on the one hand it's like there's a lot of interest, and there's they're even like going to these like natural like clear, especially in Iceland is a beautiful country, and so you might go to like some some beautiful place, some meadow or whatever, some cliff or something, and to kind of do this like um, druidish sort of. I guess it's, <laughs> that's Celtic. It's not, yeah, but you yeah, know, it, it does kind of reminisce of like neo druidic kind of things that people do at like stonehenge or whatever and you kind of go in nature and summon spirits or i don't you know i don't want to oversimplify what they're doing i don't really know but kind of worship and pray let's call it that yeah um, but then you instantly notice like and there's no getting around it like half those guys are just like super white supremacists and you know it's like uh the reason they're bringing it back is because they're like oh yeah christian is a foreign influence and i was like (laughs) oh geez wow you guys um but yeah so um, yeah, it's kind of yeah, just just that's kind of interesting. I was just wondering if you if you're kind of pay attention to that kind of stuff too, like the new yeah, movement,
2: definitely. But. Yeah, I definitely have to be careful with that. I was actually talking to another Viking history podcaster when I first started my podcast, actually, and we were just kind of talking about that in general, is because he was definitely like uh, giving me a lot of uh, pro tips for for getting started, and he's like, uh, if you like join Facebook groups or stuff, like do make sure that. Uh, you really look into these people, you know. So oh yeah, you don't
1: have to tell me, man. <laughs> history, of, man. I well, I just blocked somebody yesterday. Like it's just fresh in my mind because uh, yeah, they're the yeah, history of Germany podcast. Of course, you know the same sure. people that are like less hominids, more Hitler. You know they have like these big like Maltese crosses or whatever in their bio or in their name in their bio, yeah. and I'm like yeah, block. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I would get mentioned a lot on Facebook groups. People are just like, at history of Germany. And I'm like, no. And it's, you know, some Nazi rally. Some, you know, yeah. some like American neo-Nazi thing. And I'm like, no. Block the whole group. Block the person. Block block everybody.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. I got a lot of that. Yep. Actually, yeah. That's kind of, I never thought about that. But, yeah, you would get some of the similar stuff. So yeah, that's right. Um, yep. But, no. And then I think being a trustworthy source... Where mm-hmm. if Noah or Travis says, no, this is kind of an interesting phenomenon, like, this is okay to look at, just don't be don't be racist about it. But, um, yeah, an old, old old cultural revival, like, how is that a bad thing, you know? So, right, you right. Know. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, yeah, you want to talk some history? I don't know. I feel like we're talking a lot about TV and...
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: we could get into it. We could get into it. I, uh... Have you heard about, I I was looking up, uh, I was trying to find like the oldest sort of, so uh, there was some Viking settlements in Germany too, and I found this one called Haithabu or Haithabu, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, and I found a a long um, article in German, but Mm. it looks like already in 770... It's really close to the Verka. And those, like, this is like Harold Bluetooth built this, like, almost like Hadrian's Wall across the whole southern border of Denmark uh, to keep yeah. out Germans or any, you know, invaders. Uh, and really close to there, then, the Vikings built this uh, town called Haitabu, Haitabu or so on the uh, Schlei River. That was only there for like 300 years, and then it was destroyed by other Vikings in 1066. So, have you heard of that? This was like, let's say, 20 years before Lindisfarne or something.
2: Wow. No, I haven't actually heard of that. I suppose we're... Me,
1: me it, neither. I mean, it's, it's just yeah. definitely just a tiny little settlement, but I was like, okay. So, And keep in mind, this is near the Danish border. So, there, this wasn't necessarily like Germany, Germany. It's Germany today. So, that's why yeah. historians say, oh, this is, you know, the oldest Viking settlement we have. Um, but at the time, I'm like, yeah. Have been you know you could be as just as Danish there as anything else yeah and I think
2: like where a lot of people's knowledge starts on Vikings obviously is with the dawn of the Viking age you know arguably seven nine three but it's interesting we talked about sort of like uh, Germanic. Speaking people's uh, mythology in general is actually a lot of these sagas that we have uh, where we hear of, like, the Norse gods and heroes and berserkers and all that cool stuff. Actually, those were written in, like, the, the 500s A.D., five and 600s, which is, uh, like, a long time before the beginning of the Viking Age. So it just goes to show you that uh, the Vikings, or at least the these sort of Norse people who had these beliefs, were around for quite a while before the, the Viking Age actually started. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, man, I don't want to go on a limb here, but I bet there's been a lot of, because um, we do have some Saxon stories and Saxon things, because that, that was like uh, Charlemagne, uh, yeah, so Charlemagne's campaign with the Saxons sort of ended, 804, and this is like, there was, there was Vikings kind of creeping up the Rhine at this point already, um, mm-hmm. the same uh, Netherlands and Belgium, like, they're they're like, charlemagne knew about viking he was hearing reports of night viking raids already but now the saxons are really that's like the, what i was saying about like vodan and tear and um yeah. the fact that we call it thursday and wednesday and uh, that's that's all like those kind of germanic norse gods um And so I think you could probably do a little bit of a extrapolation as a, as an academic and say like, okay, so we have like this snippet of this North Norse legend, but, and we also have the Saxon or Frankish legend. Um, Maybe we can, you know, fill in the blanks on some of the Norse stuff. Uh, And I bet some work like that has been done. And I I bet there's always a grain of salt or like some caveat of like, we, you know, hey, this is, you know, it sounds so similar that we bet there's similar beliefs, but who knows? Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I'll say real quick. So, the Franks were converted way back. Uh, I'm going to say the wrong thing because I'm just guessing. But let's call it 600 AD, okay? Maybe it was only 700. Charlemagne was crowned emperor 800. That's an easy date to remember, like Christmas of the year 800 AD. And bam, there's already... Vi- oh, yeah, Lindisfarne, like you said, was 793. And that was like... Twenty four hour CNN news coverage, like oh my god, <laughs> there's these <laughs> there's these people that just like you know pretended like we were you know cut through us like butter, and right. uh, oh my god, <laughs> and you know because Linda's Farn is a secluded monastery, so this is like not. It shouldn't be easy to even get to, and like here, are these boats just show up and just, you know, plunder this like weakly defended thing because they're so secluded and because it's a monastery. Like, who's gonna, you know, kill a Christian a bunch of monks? Well, Vikings are, but at the time, this was just like that's the apocalypse. O- honestly, like Lindisfarne was described as the end of the beginning of the end of times. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> so this is, you know. Seven years later, Charlemagne gets his crown. So this is the exact this this is kind of that time. And the Franks were only recently Christian. Like there's Carl Martel and the whole uh, the Merovingians and everything. They converted um, way back. And like like they were the defenders of the church. Uh, like they got that title because they had campaigns ag- like super bad campaigns that they lost against um, like Spain, like the like Muslim Spain. So the you know they were kind of the first peoples to get a defender of the church but they were only christian for like 100 years and then they were fighting these pagans to their east uh every year charlemagne would go out for 30 years in a row and slaughter saxons in this horrible religious genocide and it's you can't call it anything else it was like this planned like slaughter of women and children uh every year for 30 years until the saxons were converted at uh sword point and so the the Frankish laws saying you cannot do this and you cannot do that, that actually, that's one of the sources where we know, ah, Saxons used to do this. <laughs> so um, when the Franks converted the Saxons, it was actually an additional, it wasn't just like, I believe in, ah, you know, then I see in Creed kind of like, I believe in God, his son, Jesus, you know, blah, 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 the Virgin Mary, blah, blah, blah. They would also say, and I denounced devil and Wotan and Tyr, and so the, like it wasn't just like I denounced the devil and all you know and all his minions. It was like no, they would mention all these specific. They'd have to like and mention all these specific pagan gods. So like we know like oh they worship Frida and Wolf Wotan because Frank said they are not allowed to anymore, um, and you can't gather in the woods or whatever. So I guess they used to do that, you know. So we we you can extrapolate from some of those sources. That's that time. That's, like, not that long after Lindisfarne. Um, 820, I have written down, is the first Frankish mention of a huge attack. So 30 years, let's say, after Lindisfarne. Have you talked about raids up, like, to Paris or Hamburg or any of that stuff?
2: No, I. although I do um, – I've been doing a lot of research on that lately, and um, there's a lot of very famous raids. In uh, 845, um, they actually besieged Paris, and they successfully uh, plundered it. Um, I know a lot about those, and I know – I've been meaning to get into those eventually, but I've been focusing a lot on sort of the mythology and then just covering a lot of the the general topics and sort of setting the stage for like – um chronological development you know
1: you want to get a feel for who the vikings were so that when you say okay they showed up like 700 ships showed up up the seine and surrounded paris that they're like oh okay yeah like it's these people and oh that's not (laughs) that's not a good thing Um, right i think yeah i think even the annals of fulda is one of the first because that was like who wrote the who wrote that where the hell is fulda (laughs) fulda's in germany i think but um yeah that's uh yeah so i guess it was some some monk or so in germany but because i know that they mentioned this they mentioned the raid of paris it's one of the earliest sources of
2: so eight, four,
1: is that even the same when was the annals of folder written
2: um so that is a chronological history goes year by year okay, and i think it yeah. starts in eight it's like right then uh does it start in 838, I, I th- want to say? Yep. I, th- I have that date in
1: front of me. Yep. So, right. Yeah. So, just like perfect timing, like eight years or so before, seven, eight years before the, the Raid of Paris.
2: hmm
1: Yeah. That's a story. Yeah. So, if, when you do that episode, I'll have to, that's got to be something. That's another one of the, like, end of days, like, we're going to die sort of situation. Right. These pagans at the gate. Um, yeah same with let's see Hamburg yeah that was the same year yeah so Hamburg up the Hamburg is what river is that on it's not, it's the delta like the end of the Elbe yeah i'm going to go with Elba without looking just like cocky without looking at a map um so don't sue me if i'm wrong but uh, so that's a totally different the, the same I don't even know where the Seine runs into. Does, does the Seine go into the Rhine, maybe? Eh, I don't want to say the wrong. Or does it go straight north? I don't know. Because I feel like the Seine kind of goes uh, east-west more than...
2: Uh, oh, east, shoot. Yeah. I don't want to say. Straight through Paris, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. So in Paris, I know it's east-west. And that... W- you know, so I'm like oversimplifying. Like, oh, I bet it's an east-west river. It might <laughs> just be like one... Be- you know? Um, yeah. In any case, yeah. So they're already... Years before this, there was kind of like some reports of like, oh, they're, you know, not just England, but now they're also in, in Netherlands and, and Belgium, which at that time was all just Frankish, Frankish empire, really. Yeah. Um, it's actually like Belgium is kind of the Frankish core area. That's kind of where where they start, like way back in the Merovingian days before they like Charles Martel and them like just conquered all of France. Um, that wasn't Charlemagne. Like Charlemagne inherited that and then he conquered all of <laughs> like Italy and Germany and all that. Um yeah, let's see. Then we do have Yeah. So now is kinda like every year. Uh starting with like Paris and then every year you get um ra Norman Norman raids. There is a guy called an 850, uh Rorick the Northman. Yes. Oh, we even call okay, now might, you might even call him Rorick Rorik of Dorstadt, which is bad because Dorstadt is one of the places he plundered. And I got this map in front of me, which I think I saw from, stole from Wikipedia. Uh, maybe German Wikipedia, yeah, German Wikipedia, because it's all in German. <laughs> it's like Wikinger Lager, Wikinger Überfall. Um, but just looking at Dorestadt, so if you know, uh, so Utrecht is in, um, oh, Holland, Belgium, I don't really care right now, um, but Nimwegen is in Belgium, uh, whatever, um, but Dorstadt There's like, it was rated in 34, 38, 36, 37, 40, 46, 47, 57, and 63. Yeah. Now, I want, what does that mean? That means, do you think that Dorestadt, that the, the Kaiser was not funding their, like, enforcement like their their uh, fortifications and their walls and you know more and more like bigger city gates and this and that no you bet they were they were rebuilding frantically desperately as if their life depended on it every single year and every single year it didn't not not every single year but over a 30 year span 834 to 863 eight times in 30 years it They got, yeah, it didn't matter. (laughs) Like, it didn't matter what they did. The Vikings came and and just plundered the town.
2: Especially when you get rivers flowing like directly yeah. into towns, that's where you really get screwed. You know, mm-hmm. you can't really do much about it um, because honestly, most of the medieval armies at the time uh, lacked a proper navy. So the defense precautions would've, that would have been taken would have been simply to build uh, like fortifications and towers on either banks of the river, which uh, the Vikings could uh, just turn around and raid someplace else if it was, um, you know, too much to deal with.
1: Yeah. That's um Yeah, man. I you know, like that just must be a that really is the end of times. I mean, yeah, if you just like know the scourges could just come back at any time. Um I wanna I kinda wanna go through this map just a little bit. So um so there's the moss, the Rhine. I don't know if they run into each other, but they're they come out in the North Sea really close if they're not the same. And then uh, the Mosel is a really famous, like all Germans know, like I remember, I, so I went to school in Germany in grade school and I remember like having to learn the rivers and there's even like these, rhyme, these rhymes going, oh, I don't remember, oh my god, but it was like the, the Mainz, the inn, the something flow to the Donau, fließen zur Donau hin, the Isar, the Lech, the something uh, flow away from the Donau, fl- uh, uh, fließen vom Donau weg. Yeah, Lech fliegt vom Donau Something like that. Like, there was a rhyme that you can learn. Because I lived in Munich, which was on the Isar, which flowed into or flowed out of the Donau, Danube. Um, but wasn't on the Danube directly. But, yeah. So, kind of, like, I remember. I've heard the Mosul before. But you can go. So, Germany, that's the thing. between That's the thing about Germany, honestly, is Germany is two rivers. That's not true. There's, you know, the, the Elbe. Uh, where Hamburg is on. Hamburg is on the North Sea, but the Elba cuts straight across and uh, there a side river is the Volta,va and the Volta,va goes all the way to Prague, which is the capital of the Czech Republic. So, like, I lived there for 10 years and I could have gotten on a raft and gone clear through former East Germany and, you know, all the way to Hamburg just by floating up the river. Um, wow. The same way at the Rhine, so Trier is almost uh, it's almost Belgium it's not quite as far south as France maybe but it's really deep into Germany and the Rhine goes way way further it just cuts straight south like all you know the biggest density of germans live on the Rhine Cologne Bonn um all of those and then the little side rivers is just like all those that's the Ruhrgebiet it was the big industrial um part like that's where the, all the coal mines were in the in the 18th century 19th century so Um, But even a thousand years ago, like that's the border with with France. That's kind of that's where a lot of Germans lived. And the other side is the Danube. Vienna is on the Danube, like cities like Regensburg and Nuremberg and all these uh, like northern Bavaria, Franconia, kind of that area. And the Rhine and and the Danube almost touch like not really, relatively speaking, as an American, it's like. Within the area of, I mean, California is bigger than Germany. So, like, within one county, they almost kind of come together, and there's, like, constants and all that. So, I mean, now there's canals. You can go clear through France, and you can go clear through Germany. Um, so, you can go by boat from the North Sea to the Baltic or the Mediterranean, if, if people don't know that. You can go from the Atlantic uh, to the Mediterranean, clear through France. I don't know if people know that or not. So... Um, Even in the days of Vikings before the canals, yeah, like Europe is pretty navigable by a a flat boat, which (laughs) Europeans didn't really utilize that way. But Vikings sure figured that out. Yeah. Uh, And of course, don't forget, like for short stretches, Vikings will just pick up their boat and carry it across land. It was that kind of a light enough thing. So yeah, it's not like you had been on, on a major navigable river. It was like yeah, they could kind of go up, not oh, creeks, but go up pretty narrow <laughs> passages, or just carry it a while, carry it up around waterfalls, and sit back down. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. um, yeah. yeah, Tria is a big university town. I think it was founded by Romans, I believe. Uh, Cologne definitely was. Romans called it Colonia, like the colony. Um, yeah. So Tria definitely is a university, like an ancient university town. They got there. That, and that's deep into, that's hundreds of miles uh, into German territory, up up rivers. So, yeah, that's not nothing. That, that's like, we're all talking like 880s. Mm, yeah, wow. Maastricht 881, Andernach, uh, Bonn, Cologne 881, Trier 882. So really, just like, yep, just kind of. Zanten yeah. is an old German, uh, an old Roman town too, yeah, which Vikings plundered. The Vikings would also build winter camps. This is kind of like maybe why there was a natural progression of like settling longer and longer and then just setting up shop and founding cities like Dublin is that they did set up winter camp. So like um, they actually conquered Utrecht and Nimwegen in a way and over and stayed a whole year and then left the next spring. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of.
2: Yeah. Overwintering is what they would do because raiding, uh, raiding season was in the uh, spring and summer, as they, you know, couldn't travel over the frozen water. So what they would do is they would. Uh, over winter in the places that they raided and that's where people really got nervous you know because these yeah. vikings essentially just uh built camp uh right next door to all of these uh regular towns and villagers and then uh then when the spring came you know they could get back in their long ships and continue sailing up and down the rivers and, and raiding everyone so
1: yeah that's just Man, but yeah, that's just that is the end of the world if you're if you're a local, yeah. Like Vikings, oh my goodness, that's just yeah, kind of doing whatever they want for the cold winter months, eating a bulk of the food, no doubt, you know. Right. Uh So, um, now this, I don't know. I don't want to jump around too much. I don't know if you got some something else to add to the uh, kind of raiding up rivers sort of thing because I want to kind of the thing that's interesting is that it wasn't just Normandy and France where the king was like, okay, fine, stop raiding Paris, you know, take this take I, this county and we'll make you a count um, kind of thing or a, a duke or whatever. It's often like a duke right under the king. And that also happened in Germany. So I believe the very first Viking king who, baptized, who was baptized was um, Harald clock maybe in uh 826 which is very early if you think about that now ingelheim am rhein that's a city on the rhine um he became an under like he that became kind of his own kingdom like they call him a viking king because so he was under the king uh Ludwig, which was that must have been a french king in 820. oh well frankish king Ludwig, yeah yeah so um uh well, yeah. So uh, the the Fra- Charlemagne's Empire split up and whatever. So he could have been in uh, Ring- Lothringia was kind of the Rhine area. I don't know. It was three really East Frank, West Frank, and like Lothringia. Um, but in one of those three kingdoms, uh, this Harald became a sub king. Like really, he kind of had his own fiefdom. And having a being a sub-king in Germany is just like how they ran things, because remember, you have the Kaiser, the emperor, and then you might have the kingdom of Bohemia, the kingdom of Bavaria, the kingdom of uh, Prussia was a kingdom. Um, uh, so. Uh, yeah. So, so you'd have like, yeah, you you could have kings under kings. Is is my point? Um, but that was really early, actually. And and of course, if you're going to be an under king, you do have to be Christian. Like, there's no way you can be in that. That was already like super clear. Like, they were defenders of the church. Slash, later they were the Holy Roman Empire. You can't be the, called the Holy Roman Empire if you have Norse, you know, like pagan kings. So, um. I know you talked about that, too, on your podcast, kind of the—so b- before they started to baptize, either get baptized or baptize themselves for political reasons or, hey, even maybe spiritual reasons, we don't know. You know, maybe there was a, a couple honest to God um, conversions there. Um, but I kind of get the sense that a lot of that was either by force or like a king gets baptized and it's like, by the way, y'all are Christians now, there's the church line up, you know, this is, we're doing this. Um, (laughs) or, uh, you know, the king himself for political reasons, like, oh, you're going to give me a whole county. Hmm. I guess I could, I can go to mass and, and, uh, do that whole thing. So... Um but hey let's say, let's say there was a couple of people that genuinely <laughs> found the lord I don't know you know I don't know but that did start to happen now i think you talked about even before they baptized they they started to to convert there was already some influence of christianity or do we know this even like how did the how did this mingle what did what did they think of christians that they were plundering like because imagine so they come back with all their raid and plunder and including like a bunch of like gilded and silver crucifixes and stuff did they just melt that stuff down do they turn that into you know what do they do with that
2: well in the beginning of the viking age i don't think that the vikings would have really cared about christians whatsoever uh they probably would have you know it was just a
1: weaker yeah because it was like the religion of their victims
2: yeah pretty much pretty much you know, just melting down the crucifixes Mm -hmm. into, you know, um, being made into coins and everything else like that. Um, but towards the end of the Viking age, um, when you see Kings, like you, like you said, um, Harold, uh, clock, um, you know, like you said, I don't really know if it was for like personal reasons, personal conviction, but I know that a lot of the, um, kings in in Northern Europe were um, very much pressured to um, convert to Christianity because, uh, you know, Christianity was really becoming the newest social club of the upper class. It was really becoming the state religion of many countries. And if you have a country like, um, you know, what is modern day um, Norway or northern Germany or something, and you have these leaders who still believe in paganism, then uh, you will not get along very well militarily with the other Christian kingdoms. You know, so um, it's in terms,
1: almost, of- yeah, even like just for uh, like a defensive pact, kind of like it'll be uh, more likely that I'll help you <laughs> if right. if you're also, yeah, that makes as sense. Well.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But in the beginning, I think the Vikings probably would have seen it as. You know, just simply a, a weaker religion to to that of their mm-hmm. own, especially because the uh, medieval Christian. And that's one of the so um, monasteries were never really defended with you know armies of men because well, number one, they didn't have to be. They actually believed that uh, by building them, uh, you know, on the coastline, yeah. that water would have been a, a huge barrier. Which is of course like the Vikings' yeah. totes on opportunity. It's their
1: super highway, yeah.
2: Exactly, exactly. But um, also they believed, the medieval Christians believed, to defend the the house of God with an army of men would have been blasphemous to God, you know.
1: Unnecessary, exactly,
2: yeah. Exactly, exactly. and, of course, I'm sure the Vikings are, like, um, these monks, you know, running around in, you know, sackcloth robes and with their heads shaved, can't even defend themselves, you know. Um, and, and of course, they would probably seek to honor their gods, their various, like, what you would call their gods of war, uh, you know, Thor and, and Tyr and maybe even Odin through war. So, they mm-hmm. definitely would probably... Um, you know, like, wow, we hit the jackpot. These monks can't even defend themselves, and here we are raiding them. And if, of course, besides the massive amounts of wealth that they would have accumulated at these monasteries, religious, um, you know, um, Textiles, um, Mm -hmm. gold, silver, communion wine, they actually would have enslaved the monks themselves because the slave market was huge at the time. Uh, So the the monks, the healthy, well-fed monks would have definitely fetched a good price at the slave market, I think.
1: That is, yeah, that is also depicted in the Vikings series, like the History Channel fiction stuff. Um, Yeah. And then then I'm sure it really breaks down quick, like... (laughs) Uh, yeah. In fact, they <laughs> I'm just remembering now as it's, as I'm saying it. Like he turns pagan and he hates God and oh uh, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, now the thing is, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of an interesting. I like on the on the flip side when they started to convert, and I kind of know the answer to this. Like I know um, when you, when you see like the. Celts, let's say the insular Celts, kind of converting to Christianity. That's where we get this really rich tradition of like um, Celtic crosses and you know Celtic, you know, like that kind of symbology in Ireland and um, also those illuminated manuscripts is like those those had a big Celtic influence too, which then the Vikings raided. Um, but then, so I imagine there was there was still in in like art and depictions and this and that. Um I bet you could there was still a big very big Norse influence even in like like if they made a crucifix you'd be like oh you can tell this came from um and I don't remember exactly if I'm thinking of Saxons or Franks or what but there was definitely Um, Like, if they minted their own coins or something, it'd be like, ah, that looks like, uh, that Jesus looks suspiciously like Odin, kind of thing, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean, and, like, you certainly see that in uh, the Stav churches of, like, Norway and Sweden is, um, after, you know, the Viking Age had ended and everyone was becoming a Christian, these, um, they were, like, essentially very similar to the cathedrals of uh the rest of europe the christian cathedrals whereas they were built like that sort of traditional church steeple with the Mm -hmm. cross on the top but they were made of wood which is very scandinavian you know still
1: a viking longhouse it's just uh yeah (laughs) got a steeple on it or something exactly
2: yeah exactly
1: yeah like the great hall it's the great yeah the idea of the great hall it hasn't changed
2: exactly Yeah. yeah
1: yeah no that's that's really interesting um yeah, and we do see, it's, it is It is kind of neat that it's like those cultures in in Ireland and Scandinavia that always, in a way, had their own spin on um, even Catholicism. But then, of course, like Scandinavia in particular, like, you know, fast forward 500, yeah, about 500 years, and they're all Protestants in the Reformation. And in the Thirty Years' War, they're all anti-Catholic yeah. and stuff. And it's kind of like, yeah, yeah that, that distance to Rome... Um, alone i think just kind of get they they had their own spin on things even when they did try to emulate italy more and more in later years um yeah, yeah that's it, just kind of yeah definitely their own culture for sure
2: yeah but, and it's interesting um so just a little fun random side note fact thing is uh one of the main sources one of the two primary sources we have for the norse myths uh is called the prose edda and it was written uh in iceland by an icelandic christian in the 13th century so the 1200s um and he what he does and his name is snorri Sturluson. what he does i love it (laughs) snorri Sturluson, that's awesome yeah sorry no no it's good um but what he does is he actually um and and this is very a very tolerant attitude of a medieval Christian, you know, because like we talked about earlier, you had folks mm. like Charlemagne uh, threatening to kill people if they didn't convert to Christianity. But it's interesting because what he does is he actually takes – a lot of these stories of Norse myth, a lot of the different myths, and he composes them all together, Um, you know, the religion and and history of of his people, essentially, of his ancestors, the Vikings. And what he does is he puts the myths together and compiles them in what we have today is known as as the Prose Edda. And it's it's interesting to note that... um, Christianity had a very established canon at this time, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a canon of if you want to get like theological of religion, you know, they had uh, the various councils of, you know, Chalcedon, mm-hmm. I see where they were voting on things to what to put in the Bible. Um, and he wanted to do that sort of with, with Norse myth, obviously not from a paganism standpoint, but he thought that it was important to preserve the
1: very the, very much a brother's grim sort of idea. Like, it is, it yeah. Is, let's yeah. write down these folk folk stories in a way, but also like, yeah, let's. Uh, and and is all like the Brothers Grimm also kind of traveled Germany and would hear very many different versions of the same story and kind of average it out when they wrote it down, which makes yeah. me think of that. Yeah,
2: yeah, and what? Yeah, and like you said, averaging it out is because that's what he wanted to do. Is really mm-hmm. establish in a way a canon of Norse mythology. He wanted to make sure that everything was in agreement, uh, if this character did this and this myth, yeah. that it along with this and this myth and that and that whole thing. So that's just a, a little side note. It's very very interesting is like sort of how the the Vikings like you know abandoned their their pagan ways um or the people the norse people in general that they had been practicing for so so long hundreds and hundreds of years and uh it seems on the surface like they were just very quick to convert to christianity well here they are worshiping you know thor and odin for hundreds of years but then along comes christianity and everyone's converted and i actually talked to um Caroline Larrington, she's a professor of medieval literature at Oxford, and she made an excellent point in one of the interviews on my show, and is that um, <clears throat> you know the upper class would have been very quick to convert to Christianity, as you know, it had a lot of personal gain to them, and perhaps it, it might have been easier for a person of wealth to uh, trust in God, which is of course one of the principles of Christianity, but um, the average you know, peasant, the average Viking farmer, uh, probably wouldn't have been so quick to give up their pagan ways. And we actually see evidence of them worshiping Jesus uh, at the same time as them praying to Odin, you know? There you go. Yep. Okay. Yep.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, I, I can totally imagine that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So that's it's kind of um, not a very immediate um, conversion, which is... I guess it, it makes sense, and you know the Vikings. One of the things that's super interesting is uh, you see so many Christians, you know, um, who always wear cross necklaces, p- cross pendants. One thing the Vikings did is, and we've we found hundreds and hundreds of these all over Scandinavia, is they would actually wear an amulet of Thor's hammer around their necks to, um, you know, because Thor was kind of the the god yeah. of the average man, the the god of the farmer, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah that's just it's super that's super very
1: cross-like that's that's it crazy is. yeah
2: yeah
1: huh that's interesting that's almost kind of like yeah because i because i want even the even the symbols of uh i know it was way before the viking but the like it, we didn't the early early christians had like um the symbol of like a fish or something just totally different right. rather than like a guy hanging on a cross so that also right. kind of came in over the centuries like that didn't come out of Jerusalem or you know palestine or whatever so yeah um yeah that's uh yeah that's uh, you know there's there's parallels there with like uh the celts kind of making it their own thing and all that so that's that's just kind of interesting too um i guess then we're kind of you know we can kind of talk about the end of you know what what did happen but i think we already kind of covered that which is they just started to settle down and become less raiding vikings and more just like yeah yeah, we you know founding cities and agricultural and you know plant planting crops kind of stuff right um yeah
2: definitely yeah definitely so the viking age really a lot of people would say and i think it's right that the viking age ended uh in 1066 with william the conqueror uh you know in the norman invasion um as well as the uh total spread of christianity so some of the the things that mark the the end of the viking age is when you see um less and less like chieftains of bands of of viking warriors you know and you see more and more kings emerging and establishing kingdoms, and then eventually establishing modern day countries such as uh denmark and norway i
1: was gonna say denmark so there's some crazy trivia out there denmark is the oldest monarchy uh, second only to Japan in the world or as old as the emperor in Japan, uh, but definitely by far the oldest in Europe. And they almost go back to Charlemagne. They'd go back to Harold Bluetooth, yeah, um, that's right. which is, which is 11th century, like right here. It's like 10th or 11th century, something like uh-huh. that. And, uh yeah so that's so exactly what you're saying like not only did that happen but the kingdom of denmark today is kind of uh you know it's uh, the danish flag is the oldest flag on earth that is the oldest national flag um and it's definitely the oldest royal family in europe and that's denmark like we're straight up talking about uh you know those kind of uh, norse like people settling down and forming a normal quote-unquote you know christian kingdom in in europe and and joining the the European community <laughs> if you will. Yeah, and we do see yeah, I mean not kind of like not quite like all of Engin- England being conquered by Normans or uh a chunk of France being broken off as Normandy or Normans conquering a third of Italy or almost half of Italy, but that did happen to some degree in Germany too. Like Vikings were given off little chunks of fiefdoms, you know, to <laughs> yeah. to create peace. Um Maybe to some lesser degree, like,
2: and money too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely got paid off and yeah. Tributes and all that. Like genetically speaking, if, if I'm, if I have Norse in me, then it's probably because I'm Scottish and Irish and less like German and French or, you know, like that's probably like I took a DNA test and yeah, I do have Scandinavian in me. Even there's, I have a Finnish ancestor. And I was wow. like, oh, okay, like none of my record, none of the family records kind of bear that out. And I was like, oh, well, okay, it could be some Norman thing. And because it's just like, it goes, like, my family is just Scotland all the way down. So mm. I was like, oh, yeah. but the
2: genetics is like, oh, okay, yeah, definitely some uh, Scandinavian there. Hmm. Um, so. Yeah, that's super interesting. And it's interesting to note as well as and I would have to look up this article again, but. Um, I think it's something like ten percent of people in uh, who living in Iceland can actually trace their ancestry back to England. And of course, the notion yeah. is that the Vikings, you know, would take English women uh, yeah. off away, from, you know, and then they would have children.
1: I thought you were gonna say like they can all trace their lineage to like Leif Erikson or something, like because <laughs> there's only a half million. Is that right? Is there only a half million Icelanders? It's a really yeah. sparsely populated country for it it you is. know for being a thousand year old uh, country colony, whatever. But yeah, what I don't think I had anything else. Is there anything else you kind of wanted to like touch on or mention?
2: No, man. yeah, it was great talking to you. I really I love this. I love this stuff. And like researching for this podcast episode was super fun for me because, you know, a lot of people don't think about, Uh, what the Vikings were up to in Germany they just kind of think about you know the Vikings in England and in France and especially in you know the British Isles so this was really a great opportunity for me to uh, broaden my horizons as well and I love talking about the mythology and that whole sort of thing so it was great to be able to do that as well Um,
1: yeah I think maybe it's just Germany is like less blatant like with place names and stuff but yeah between the Rhine and the Danube, man, Vikings could get it could get pretty much everywhere. So again, let me just note, or let me just say, so everybody can find it in the show notes. Also, I'll have links to uh, Vikings dot com. That's where you can find Noah's shows. Um, there is also he's on iTunes, of course. The History of Vikings. Uh, what are you on? Yeah, what? Where, where else can people find you?
2: Yeah, so uh, you can. Find me basically anywhere where you listen to your podcasts. Uh, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, f- feel free to you got uh, get a face- on. You have a Facebook page? No, I actually don't have a Facebook page, um, ironically, which I should probably get back into that again. But I do have Arguable. a... Arguable. T- it's not. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Um, I was kind of avoiding Facebook like the plague after a while just because it was like kind of a learning curve and with all of the sort of things going around about Facebook, I was like, oh, okay. I, I've
1: seen a lot of people shut their pages down, actually. Kind of, yeah, kind of just like out of political reasons or this or that. So,
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah you are on Twitter. History, History of Viking on Twitter. Yeah. History of Viking, that's right. Man, you know, think of an excuse to come back. <laughs> yeah, You're welcome man, anytime. Uh, for sure. There is a whole other episode with Noah and me on Noah's feed, uh, which... This this episode I recorded like two months ago or so, and uh, Noah's episode we just recorded today, so um, I'm just lazy with the editing process, but uh, there should be a whole other um, conversation between me and Noah, more about like podcasting itself and a glimpse behind the scenes of, of uh, again, I guess my history and, and me talking about myself, but also talking about the podcasting community and, and some advice on people just starting out or... Um, how the landscape has changed in the five or so years that i've been podcasting um, i i think I think that turned out to be a really good conversation um, Noah's a really interesting character i mean you've you 've heard him now, but I think just in the' it's kind of more laid back I cracked a beer uh, he 's still a minor but uh, just to just to be able to kind of get to know, know noah better and he 's only been podcasting as of today he 's only been podcasting for four months and um, I think history of vikings is is just doing such a great job and Uh, I see so much potential there and and the way he's doing stuff and and just kind of in his life himself. So I might even talk to him again for a third time on the Podcastnik feed. And by the way, there is a Podcastnik YouTube channel and a Podcastnik feed. Like, there's a new podcast called Podcastnik. It's on iTunes. It's on podcastnik.com. We introduce uh, Imad and Yudit. Imad and his... uh, um, He's our Arabic translator, but he's still not in safety. He's a Syrian refugee, but he's because of his sexual orientation and his uh, religious belief or lack thereof, uh, he he's you know, he's been arrested, he's been interrogated and tortured, and uh, just his his escape from Syria is kind of a, an interesting tale. and um, so just to actually hear Ahmad's story from him himself was just fascinating. That's on the podcast feed uh pete we finally just like got to interview pete and just kind of take a look at at the, the our co-host of history of alchemy and bohemican so that's on the podcast nick feed pete has been in a wheelchair since he's 11 years old and he's seen the world traveled the world as a paralympic uh backup like fence on the for the fencing team and so you know lived in prague for years now and um has czech speaking kids and all that like yeah just his whole life is crazy endlessly fascinating and um, he's got new projects out and um yeah, so uh, a glimpse you did, of course. We interviewed who is the other co-host of this show, History of Germany. So her whole story of recently moving to Regensburg and um, life in Germany and all that. So just getting another glimpse of the Podcastnik members. So besides my interview on Noah's show, you can uh, listen to Podcastnik, the Podcastnik feed, and and um, yeah, there's there's a kind of new new content coming there. Another Africa uh, episode is now there on the Podcastnik feed. So yeah, just for for news and and all the stuff that we're up to, because we're up to a lot, we're always doing something, uh, stop by podcastnick.com, take a look at our new merch, we have great new designs, yes, brand new designs on podcastnickshop.com, that's all our t-shirts and new hoodies and new history of Germany designs, in fact, I don't want to spoil it, because we have a graphic designer who's way more talented than we are, so I want her work to speak for itself, so just go check out podcastnickshop.com. And um let's see. Yeah, we do have sponsors. They're in the show notes. You do really help out the show by supporting our sponsors, of course. wow, yeah, lots going on. All right, but uh for now, auf Wiedersehen. Bis zum nächsten Mal. Is that what I always say? I don't even I don't even know anymore. But thanks so much for listening. And definitely this time there's a lot of links in the show notes, so please have a look at that. And um, yeah, until next time, next time is uh, Hildegard of Bingen. A little bit of history of science, a little bit of history of uh, visionary religion, and all that good stuff in the Middle Ages on the History of Germany podcast. Dankeschön.
0: Hold up.